history from a material perspective. We look at how the things that people have made and things that people have used have shaped and defined cultures and our history as a species as a species. There we go. Species. species. Uh, so we are supported by Hippenable Antiques LLC. We've got a location in downtown Fredericksburg, Virginia at a shop called Oldies Book Goodies. Uh, we've also got an online store on Etsy. That's Hip and Humble Antiques on Etsy. Uh, we have a little bit of a following on Etsy now. A lot of people have favorited, favorited, favorited our shop as of late. And oh, cool. Yeah, which is super nice. And, of course, uh, total credit to Catherine. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. She's been doing fantastic with that. She does. Yeah, she really, really does. Yeah, she does. It's funny because, uh, you know, I'll I'll help her and, you know, pack things up and things and so on, you know, to to send out orders. And uh, every now and again, she'll she'll come up and she goes, "Mm, why don't you just let me do it? (laughs) (laughs) That was nice try, sweetheart. Mm. However. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for trying. Yeah, mm. but that's okay. Yeah, sometimes, you, sometimes you gotta s- just gotta roll stuff out, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, <laughs> we are gonna talk about rolling pins today. We are. Yes. Yep. Yes. So, as many of you know, or maybe you don't know, rolling pins are a very useful kitchen tool. Although, and they're, they're very collectible. Very, very collectible. Some of the greatest collections I, I was just find just now finding are of rolling pins. A lot of really, really fantastic rolling pin collections, and there's a lot of rolling pins that are worth a lot more than you would think. Yeah, a lot, a lot more than you would think. And uh, obviously, rolling pins are used in kitchens. Although you know nowadays you don't see as many rolling pins in kitchens. They used to be a staple. Every kitchen, you know, every kitchen would have, have a, rolling, a rolling pin. Have a rolling well, pin. but people cooked. Well, that's that's. And what people I mean. are. I mean, since the whole COVID stuff, uh, people have kind of started cooking again. But um, I don't think they they don't cook like they. A lot of people do, you know, cook like we used to cook, but. A lot of the younger people don't cook like no. we did. No, they, they always want that. They want those like quick meals or those ones that they deliver to your door, and all you got to do is pot or the yeah. blue. blue Although rip. I love my Instapot, mm-hmm. I I do love that thing. I well, I, it cuts. I mean, it cuts cooking. It cuts prep time down. Oh, absolutely. It cuts prep time down. Well, then. cooking time too. I mean, yeah. I can cook a pot roast in you know an hour and a half. Right. Versus four hours in the oven or all day in a crock pot or right. something, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I think crock. I mean, crock pots. It's but the crock pot. It's you know. I don't mind it at all. But it's like you either do it right before you go to bed or you do right. it right in, right in the morning. Right. You know. I will say, I I like to do it right before I go to bed more than like right before the morning. Even though it sits longer in the crock pot warming if I do it before bed, obviously. Yeah. But but even so, it's I mean it's it's not bad. 
but as but, far, you know, yeah. But as far as as cooking goes, that's exactly it. You know, not a lot of people nowadays cook like like we used to have to, really. Yeah. Because well, you didn't have a, you know, instant anything. You didn't have an instant anything. You didn't have, you know, a bakery or a coffee shop or a r- grocery store or a restaurant, uh, you know, within five miles. You, uh, you didn't have ten restaurants within five within f- five miles of every, you know, Well, and you location. didn't have all, you know, kind of the ethnic foods and stuff like that. So it's yeah. kind of like last week, you know, you and I made um, pasta noodles. Right, yeah. And the didn't require a rolling pin it could have though could have done, done it with a rolling pin could have done it with a rolling pin we did pin. use a rolling pin well we used the rolling little thing no, that you turn no oh no yeah that's true we d- i didn't use a rolling pin never mind no we didn't use a rolling pin but we used the little thing that you turn and makes it thin and yeah pasta the pasta, the pasta maker the thingy pasta or the little pasta machine pasta or whatever press. pasta press there you go yeah but uh but you know that was uh how many people, you know, besides Italians, you know, would make their own pasta. So, you know, if you were way back whenever Italian restaurants weren't a thing, mm-hmm. um, that's how you got, that's how you made pasta. They had a lot of those ethnic type foods. Um, right. Well, a lot. A just lot wasn't available. A lot of foods from different regions, like you said, like ethnic type foods. But, but I mean, even regionally, if you look right. at like s- southern food versus northern American, I mean, North American food. You now know. you could, if you were in a city, you could go pretty much anywhere and get any kind of food that you want from from, from anywhere, anywhere in, the in the world. But used to in the U.S. in the United States, yeah. yeah. Um, but used to like when I was a kid, we we didn't have you know, a restaurant on every corner or you just, you didn't have that. Yeah. So you had, there weren't as many around. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you had I, a lot more diners. Of course. But I will say going to a, going to a person's house that is from a different culture and experiencing that their cooking is obviously always better oh, yeah. than a restaurant. Well, it's like my dad, my dad um, was born in Alderson, Oklahoma. Find that on the map. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's on there. It, well, <laughs> not always, but sometimes. <laughs> but one of the guys that he grew up with, they were Italian. Mm-hmm. And he would go, and he said, he would tell me, he said, I would go over there and just eat. <laughs> I mean, he goes, it just, because it wasn't, you know, his mom's Scott-Irish cooking. Right. It was Italian, and that was incredibly exotic and right. stuff. Now, over in Krebs, Oklahoma, there is an Italian restaurant that was this guy's family's was his mom's sauce and all that kind of stuff. Wow. And people drive for miles to go to that restaurant to eat that, you know, eat that food. But back then when he was growing up, you know, they were just friends. So, I mean, they would go to his house and they would just chow down on all that Italian. And then his friend would come to my dad's house and chow down on all that, you know, good old Scottish, Irish, you know, stews and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thick sauces and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Because it was, for each of them, it was completely exotic. Right. Well, I mean, and it's what they knew how to make. It's yeah. what they planned to make. And I will say that's the other thing, too, is planning those kinds of oh, ingredients. Yeah. Because yeah. if you're, I mean, for, you know, for an Italian, if you're you're planning to cook Italian food throughout the year, you're going to grow a lot of tomatoes. You're going to grow, sure. a lot, you know, you're going to grow a lot of different things. And if you're planning to make, uh, you know, a Scottish Irish food. Right, absolutely. You know. But uh, you know, another thing he had told me was um 
he goes, yeah, of course, my dad was one of 12. Right. So, and my, my granddaddy was a coal miner. So, wasn't exactly rolling in money all the time. But uh, he, he Rolling coal? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he said, yeah, he goes, I'd go to school and I was so embarrassed, you know, because I would have, you know, homemade bread kind of sandwich or, what, or whatever we ate last night or anything like that. He said, my friends, he goes, I thought they were teasing me for a long time because they would try and get my food, uh-huh. you know, trade me food. And he goes, I thought that was great because, you know, I'd never had, you know, like a hostess snack or Twinkie yeah, or any yeah. of that, any of that kind of stuff. And they had like store-bought bread and all that. Uh-huh. And uh, they, they thought my, you know, mom was just like the best in the world because that's how she cooked. I yep. mean, everything, everything was made from scratch yep. every day. Every single day, there was a, a, a couple loaves of bread baked, dinner rolls, whatever. But you're right. All of that had to start early in the morning. Yep. Early in the morning, because it can take up to four hours just to get the bread risen twice to get mm-hmm. ready to even go in the oven. Exactly. Exactly. When you're, when, I mean, they, they say you, you don't get up as early as a baker. The reason that started is because when people, I mean, when bakeries or bakers were your local baker, and they yeah. would get up at 2, 3 in the morning to go start having baking, their, baking yeah. having their bread rise yeah yeah because it takes a takes a long about, time takes about two to three hours to let well, your bread take an rise. hour hour to two hours just depends depends yeah. on your temp there's a lot of science in that too i mean it the you have to you know, a lot of people have these warming drawers now you know used to we didn't have warming drawers you know <laughs> you just had to find a warmer spot in the house and that's where your bed bread you know rises yeah even when i make bread you know when i make bread and stuff I'll go in the bathroom and put a heater in the bathroom and put bread in the oh, bathroom and shut the door. <laughs> and yeah, I will say it looks funny, but, you know. It looks funny, but. It works. You guys suck it down, so. I mean, that bread is good. Yeah. It is good. That's my grandma's roll, Grandma Scott's rolls. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, I mean, there there's always going to be something to homemade bread. Fresh oh, yeah. homemade bread. Yeah, but I do use a rolling pin. I was gonna say, and that those those rolling pins are an absolute necessity when making that kind of bread. Uh, well, any kind of bread, but specifically dinner rolls or you know cinnamon cinnamon rolls, rolls anything like that. Pie crust. Yeah. So the you know the first society to uh, be credited or, or you know known to you to be known as using the rolling pin are the Etruscans. Really? Yeah. Huh. The Etruscans being the... What'd they make? Pies? Uh, pies, bread, <laughs> <laughs> you know, food. But you know, rolling pins, always, everybody's, oh, rolling pin. It's always associated with a yummy food. It is. With yeah. the sweets or something. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, the, I, the height of the Etruscan society was 9th century B.C. And obviously, back, you know, at that point, the rolling pin was not much more than a wooden cylinder. I will say some of the better rolling pins nowadays are not much, much, not much more than a rolling cylinder. So it's funny how everything comes full circle. Get yeah, it? and I, I mean, they have cylinder. a lot of very picky ones, too. You know, I have a, I have got, I've got a little collection of rolling pins, but um, I have one that Dad got me for Christmas one year, and I do love it. And it's an Italian rolling pin, and and it you know it's just it's long, and then it kind of tapers at the ends. Yep. And I use that a lot. Yeah. Last time I used a rolling pin at your house, that was the one I used, and I yeah. really liked it. Yeah. But evidently, uh, you know, the the Italians, the Etruscans are that's ancient Italy. So, right. So the Italians have been using rolling pins since the ninth century BC. You got to roll all that pasta out. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah, you do. 
And all that good Italian bread. And yeah. Oh, my goodness. Italian bread is fantastic. Yeah. It really is. It is. Oh. This rolling pin episode, I, I I think we might have to eat, you know eat some more bread after <laughs> this. <laughs> we did we did just have dinner before we came down here, and we had we some did. of those. We had some pre pre baked rolls <laughs> we threw in the oven, and they they they, they were all right. <laughs> They're all right, but yeah. yeah. Somebody else wrote, I'm sure a machine rolled those. Um, yeah, or most likely a machine rolled those, but <laughs> or did something to them. Yeah, but uh, a commercial production of rolling pins actually started, of course, mid 19th century. Uh, well, actually, that would, that's not, of course. So that's actually after the Industrial Revolution. We didn't; they weren't mass produced for a very long time because, well, pretty much everybody had them. Yeah. And I mean, it was uh, essentially a well, they're pretty easy to make. Pretty easy to make. I mean, it's not like it's a, you know, grand design or something. I well, mean, ex- it's ex- round and it rolls. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's a round piece of wood that rolls. I mean, obviously now you have ones that have metals, metal in the middle. You have stone rolling All pins. Right. You have ceramic rolling pins. Things like that, but obviously, you know, before mid the mid nineteenth century, most people ha- had uh, wooden rolling pins, and yeah. they would just make them, or they would, you know, be hand passed down because it, they don't really go bad. No, no, not really. They really don't. And a lot of people nowadays, you know, they don't. They're real picky about using wood. Yeah, you know, wood cutting boards or wood anything, and and I actually prefer it. I would, yeah. I do. Yeah. You know, all the plastics and all that kind of stuff. I'm always a little more leery with, you know, oh, well, this plastic is cleaner and all this. And I'm like, is it, though? Well, is I it don't cleaner? think I don't so. know. I mean, I think it depends on if how you I'm clean using it. a knife and I'm chipping it, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to eat. Pla- I'd rather eat wood than plastic. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. I would rather eat wood than or wood. I would rather eat wood than eat plastic for sure. Yeah. But I think it really just depends on how well you clean it either way. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But, yeah. No. No, but the, the, the commercial production of rolling pins first occurred around the mid-19th century because, like like, like you said before then, most people would ha- you know have their own or make their own or you know, it would be something that was something that was kept in, in every house. So most people, most people, most, or everybody had a rolling pin or had access to a rolling pin. Right. And I will say it, that, that kind of is a testament to maybe even a degradation of, of society as i get you know before that everybody was making at least making some of their own household goods in a way or sure. you know using something that was you know familial or passed down from generation to generation etc cetera, etc cetera. and you know as we advanced further into the 19th century and then and, you know of and course processed food and so and on and so forth we've gone further away further and further away from doing anything or making anything for ourselves yeah you know a including lot of, food yeah including food but i mean even even the tools that we use to make food oh yeah i mean obviously we've uh, talked on this podcast before about baskets and how baskets were the first kind of food saving devices yeah that uh, uh, baskets tri- were everything society, i mean yeah. that's you know that's how you got the goods from here to there and you know, back and forth and all that kind of stuff. And and it was a gift all in itself. It was. So even... A good basket is a gift. It, it really is. Um, even crates and stuff like that, you know, things used to come in, in wooden crates and right. whatnot. And those were... Th- you didn't waste that. No, no, not at all. Every, well, you, you found a use for everything. And nowadays people don't find uses for things. Well, and I will say a lot of it is because a lot of these kind of containers... 
uh, like the, a wooden shipping crate nowadays is more expensive than a plastic shipping crate, right? Because yeah. it's more expensive to produce and maintain and so on and so forth. So a lot of these, you know, things that we use at that time or things that people use and made, uh, you know, made use of afterwards, uh, you know, over and over again uh, were because they were quality things. Like even things that we would, you, we would, we would make essentially single use items for nowadays sure. people, the things that were made, even in the, even mid the mid 19th century were things that could be used over and over again. Do you know, I even, you know, if we buy a estate or if we got, you know, a state or we go wherever and get stuff, you know, it's funny cause I'll be going through it. I'm like, Ooh, Oh, save that box. That's a good box. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I think that's just part of adulthood. <laughs> well, but, but, but there is such a difference though. Cause especially Christmas things you'd be like, Oh no, save that box. That was a good box. And, like well obviously it's a good box it's been around since the 20s or the 30s and it's still in great shape and yeah. it's still being used no that's exactly right but i'm like you know but you get uh you know buy like christmas items or whatever from walmart or something and you know you're lucky if that box makes it out yeah yeah well it's especially like toy boxes or you know if you get a box for a tv i will say i, I don't know some tv tv boxes usually last a while I think it's yeah. mostly because people don't want to throw them out. I don't know. Well, we don't throw them out because we've been military. And with military, when you move with the military mover, you have to have the original box for it to go in, for it to be covered when they break it. Yeah, true. So, I mean, that's the main reason why, you know, we have like, we, we have mountains of boxes. Because when we would PCS, if you didn't have the original box for it to go in, then um, they wouldn't cover it. Interesting. The insurance or whatever wouldn't cover it. So yeah. all these things, all these things. I, I, I well, I'm I mean, it, it, there was no great mystery to why we kept the box. That was pretty much the only reason. Yeah. So, but sadly, you know, then we would go in and be looking at the boxes, like, oh, look, there's a whole mountain of boxes of stuff we don't even own anymore. So I think those can go. <laughs> but yeah, that that's why we would keep, particularly the TV or electronic boxes for big, you know, electronic stuff. But. Uh, yeah, that was mainly because they're gonna they're gonna break it. I mean, that's all there is to it. Well, that's the thing when you are when you move a lot, it, it's 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 an expectation that uh, a lot some of your things are going to be broken. Well, but yeah, but some of them, you know, I guess not not all mil- people that move military people, but um, you know, I've had friends. When we lived in Montana, there was a couple, and they went and bought a brand-new living room set. Brand-new. What didn't have plastic still on the cushions mm-hmm. right before they PCS'd. Oh, no. They got to their to their next place, went in, and someone had taken a knife and slashed their cushions and said, oh, no, it was like that when we got it. It was like... Are you kidding? No. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, but they do stuff like that all the time, or they just steal your stuff. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing is, you know, they just flat out, just hands down, steal it. Yeah. And it's it's, well, just, right. it's, it's just annoying. It's I mean, it's that's why it's very important when you do move, uh, you know, not to scare people from moving. If you're thinking about moving, do it. But yeah, no, I'm just if you do move or you use a moving company, make sure that everything that they take with them is stuff that you are willing to lose. And that that's pretty much a mo- military moving motto is if you are not willing to lose it. Take you it take it yourself. Yeah. So pictures, paintings, grandma's china, china, whatever, silverware, that kind of stuff, candlesticks. So, but you know, because people would, sink. you know, pre-computers, they would kind of laugh at me because I'd take all my pictures out of the picture frames, 
And I'm like, I don't care if you break the frame, mm-hmm. but I can't replace the picture. Yeah. Of course, now, you know, of course, you can just re- you know, scan a picture or whatever. Yeah. But back then, you that wasn't an option. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess you could take another picture of a picture, but still. Well, but even back then, you didn't have a camera phone or you didn't have any of that. No. So, I mean, you know, that is your picture. It's yeah. like those pictures right there. Those, I probably should scan those in because those are the only pictures. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. But I would take the pictures out of the frames because I don't care. Break the frame. Mm-hmm. But I can't replace a picture. I can replace a frame. Yeah, that's true. So they would kind of laugh. And they're like, oh, well, it'll be okay. It's like, will it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I had a I had a, uh, a hope chest. And loved my hope chest. Mom and dad gave it to me when I was, I don't know, 16, 15, 16 years old, whatever it was. And... Uh, they went in and put it in my bedroom at the house in, in, uh, by Langley and uh, put it in the bedroom at the foot of the bed and stuff and got everything and they left and whatnot. And I went in there, sat down on it, and the whole thing collapsed. They had broken oh the no. whole thing. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, no. Why didn't you just tell me from the first? I was like, you had to work at it to get it to stand. And I'm like, why didn't you just tell me you broke it? Yeah. I was like, what if my kid was on that? Yeah. Like, okay. You people suck. <laughs> and speak, and uh, we'll, t- we'll take a, a moment or two to marinate on that. Just take a real quick break and come right back. Alrighty, welcome back. Welcome back to Hip and Humble. I'm Aaron. And I'm Mom. And we are still talking about rolling pins. Rolling pins. Yes, and we're still supported by Hip and Humble Antiques, LLC. Uh, we've got a, an Instagram account that is really cool and has uh, our faces on it and uh, some of the antiques that we have talked about and that we have in our shop. So definitely check that out. It's HIPN.Humble on Instagram, HIPN.Humble. So... 
what's we talked about where rolling pins came from, the Etruscan society in the ninth century, but we didn't talk about when the rolling pin was innovated, the evolution of the rolling pin. Okay. Yeah, so in the late 1800s, J.W. Reed, an African-American inventor, developed and patented a version of the rolling pin that had a central rod. With this new type of rolling pin, the handles did, did not spin along with the body. This design is similar to what a lot of bakers use today, except for those that are using the French or Italian rolling pins, as we have come full circle back <laughs> to <laughs> prior to J.W. Uh, Mr. Mr. Reed's invention. But Mr. Reed is, uh, is credited and has patented the rolling pin with the uh, central rod that allows the, the, allows the handles to... Uh, be roll independently Independent. of the central rolling pin. So, uh, uh, if you've seen a lot of rolling pins, you have the the ones that uh, we talked about earlier, and the ones most likely that the Etruscan societies had, essentially a long, a long cylindrical piece of wood. When the so some of the some of the ones uh, would have essentially it would bow out so that the sides are sides are a little bit smaller. Right. Uh, but they also have rolling pins that it's a, cent- a large central cylinder and then two uh, handles. But they, the some of the older rolling pins, those handles would be fixed to the to that central uh, cylindrical bl- or c- central wood cylinder. And so you would have to, you know, you could roll, you would roll just a little bit, but of course you'd still kind of roll with the palms of your hands. But those handles were there too, so you could still push down, you know, on. Right. It. But with uh, Mr. Reed's invention, you know, you saw see some of the more modern rolling pins where the central uh, cylinder rolls independently of those handles, so you just can put your hands on either side of it and press down into the dough, uh, and you know the the. the the middle roller will roll independently, and you you don't have to let go of the handle, so to say. Yeah. So that design, a lot of a lot of uh, bakers still use it today. A lot of big bakeries use it today. Some of the big industrial or size rolling pins, like a lot of those are or made for bakers or bakeries, and yeah. some of those are are some of the most uh, some of the most collected rolling pins. And uh, you know, I was reading uh, some sentiments from a couple of rolling pin collectors, and they said, you know, what inspires them to continue to collect a lot of these rolling pins is the fact that these items, you know, these sen- these simple you know, kitchen uh, kitchen tools or something that you know this person, whoever the baker was that had it, you know, made a living. They fed their family. Right. They they put they've got their, a history. They put their life into it. You sure. know, it's it's the, you know every every day of their life they touched this one tool. Yeah, and that's you know, there's of course a lot. Of, you know, not everyone is very sentimental, and you know that's okay. But you know, there's still a significance to something that is significance or an importance to something that is used so consistently. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and what's interesting too about a lot of these a lot of rolling pins, the different types of rolling pins is the materials and colors of the rolling pins are a telltale of the time from when it was actually manufactured. <clears throat> a lot of the rolling pins from the 1950s were pink. Uh, a lot of green ones uh, uh, were, uh, were made in the 1960s. 
um, uh, copter rolling pins. Uh, uh, they they were used uh, used a lot, but probably not to roll dough directly. But yeah, a lot of these different colors and um, different right, sizes. Probably used for pins. very specific things. Yes, you know specific uh, foods or. I know there's, like, some rolling pins that kind of have, like, a water liquid in it that you're supposed to put in the freezer mm-hmm. because it, you're making phyllo dough. Phyllo dough has to stay, you know, it's primarily just butter with wisps of flour in there. But it, that butter has to stay very cold to be molded. and So you don't want a hot rolling pin. You want something very cold. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of those ones were actually glass-blown. So glass-blown yeah. rolling pins would have had... They they'd ha- they also have one handle that's a lot bigger than the other handle, and so that bigger handle will be hollowed out. Well, that's where they a lot of people they would either put cold water or they put ice in it to keep keep the rolling pin cold. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and a lot of times you see or uh, a lot of older rolling pins you'll find when you look and and find a lot of older rolling pins you'll see a ton of really small ones. Yeah. It's because. Rolling dough was, I mean, a rite of passage. Everybody had a rolling had pin. Learn. And everybody had to learn. And so a lot of older rolling pins were little. They were yeah. for kids. For le- small. For kids to learn how to roll Because they dough. could handle it. Yeah, because they could handle it. Because obviously the bigger the bigger the rolling pin, the, the more dough or the heavier uh, you, you can press into the dough, the more dough you can roll out at one time. I mean, obviously you could... You know how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? <laughs> yeah, you could roll you could roll out a, a, you know a, as big a piece of dough as you want with any size rolling pin, but if you have more surface area, you're going to be able to do it faster. Right. But Absolutely. There's a lot of rolling pins that are very small because uh, kids learned how to roll, roll dough. Roll the dough. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's what we used to do with you know, you guys. You have small tools for small hands. I've always been large. No, not always. <laughs> no, no. Not really. I mean, you're, you're not to me. No. Not to me. No. Well, you know, the the funny thing, or not funny, I guess not funny to you, funny for us, is all, all three of us passed mom in height around 11-ish. And for some reason, that was like a it huge, was a huge thing, huge deal, huge thing. Well, and then you know, I was like the measurement for forever. I mean, they would like <laughs> run up to my body and like slam against me and like do this little knife thing. <laughs> you know, when they got to like my neck, I was like, hold on, it's got to stop because yeah, you're hitting my neck now, bud. Yeah, we're not running into me anymore. <laughs> like, I am not it. <laughs> I am not base, and I am not your measuring stick. No. No, no, that hurts. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's funny. I thought or, or talked about it before, but you know, of course, we, we had three boys in the house growing up. I was the eldest and my two younger brothers. And so things were just very loud and, and uh, rough. A lot of rough. Yeah. 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 A lot of loud, a lot of rough. Um, but. No major injuries. So no, that's, that's I mean nothing. Good. I mean except for Kale's eye. Well, Kale, but Kale did that to himself. Yeah. Well, I, you could make the argument that the skyscraper did it to him when he fell on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure skyscraper, the toy, would have just picked itself up and slammed into his eyeball. That I don't know. That was just gross. Yeah. Whatever happened to that cousin that was jumping on the bed with him? Uh, that was. Um, that wasn't a cousin. It was a friend. Jennifer Ledford was her name, and 
and uh, Spencer was his name. Yeah, I remember Spencer. It was Spencer. And the last I heard, because she's on my Facebook, I believe she lives in Oregon. Oregon or Washington State, something like that. Mm. Pretty, pretty area. Yeah, very pretty area. So, yeah, and I think he went into the Navy. He's he was in the Navy. Oh, okay. So, God bless him. him. God bless him. Yeah. Well, he didn't cut his eye open. No, he didn't. But I'm sure he will never forget that either. Yeah, I don't think he will. (laughs) And I've always remembered his name for for that event. Yeah, but no, people come to house, and I mean it's. It's loud, and, and when not all you guys are home, it's loud. Yep. And, and uh, boys are touchy-feely. Yeah. You know, they are with, you know, with me, with that, you know, with each other. They just, that's just the way they show love. Mm. So, yeah, you know, that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I know we've had girlfriends that have come through the house going, oh, my goodness, they're so loud. <laughs> oh, I don't know. And it's like, mm, Yeah. This isn't a this isn't a little prim proper little girl house. So yeah, um, this is this is my home. This is my son's home, and uh, they're going to be comfortable here. Yeah. So it's going to be loud. Get over it. Yeah. Well, and I will say, I mean, it's not like we're loud all the time. No, not you know. all the time. It's just no. it's just you know when you start playing, get loud. <laughs> well, you know, loud voices and just. You know, everybody's talking over each other or, you know, whatever, and that's just it. Yeah, well, I think, you know, we had we had fun. Yeah. We had fun. Yeah. You know, we, we had did. fun we had fun together. We you know, we were we were close and because and I think a lot of it is because, you know, we moved around a lot, so you know, we had especially we Kale and I when we were little before Tavin, it was you know, that was we were it. We were yep. it. You know. Uh, especially you know, when you're little and moving to a new new place. I will say it's a lot easier to make friends as a little person because it's funny. Sure. You know, it's, it seems like if you're a little person, you run into a place with other little people. You're like, oh, hello. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's absolutely true. But, of course, when you're a little person, you don't, you know, you're very influenced, obviously, by your parents and stuff yeah. like that. But, you know, you don't really start showing all the biases and yeah. all that stuff till you get a little bit older. And then then it's a problem. But. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, right, you know, that after, of course, after Tavin was, after Tavin was born, you know, he was playing catch-up for a little while, and then, you know, when he got a voice, it was like, hmm, maybe, <laughs> maybe not now. <laughs> maybe you should just not talk. Let's not <laughs> talk anymore. <laughs> he's, he's good. He's a good boy, though. Yeah, he is. And he's, he's my good little baker, too. He is a good he baker. He's a good baker. He 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 is. Uh, I will never. Out of the three of you, he's very. He's a great baker. I will never ever again ask him for advice on on flavor or food because his his taste for food is questionable at best. Well, you know, I've thought about this long and hard because <laughs> I'm just like I don't understand. God, help me out here. <laughs> but I th- I really do think that his taste buds and his nose and stuff, his smelling senses. Uh-huh. Are just they have to be so much more sensitive than ours mm. because I mean, you know it's like we're walking around in D.C. doing something. He's like, I'm hungry. I'm like, okay, and it's like I smell hot dogs, and he's like, they're that way, and it's like four blocks over, <laughs> you know, and whatever. And there's like a hot dog guy, and I'm like, how do you smell? I mean, he can like sniff it out. I don't know, <laughs> and I'm like, 
it's got to have, I mean, that has to be a lot more sensitive than the rest of us. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, it reminds me, there's this, uh, this, this woman that was talking about her son. She goes, I, you know, she was like, my son is, is fat. And she was like, I don't mind that he's fat, but I mind that he, like, does fat things. <laughs> so she said, you know, he, the other day, <clears throat> I was sitting there and I had just finished eating a sandwich. And my son <laughs> comes in the, in the door and he goes, <laughs> Sniffing, he goes. Did you see the sandwich? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> she goes, uh, and he goes. Wait, what was it? A salami sandwich <laughs> with two pickles? Yeah. Uh, cut in half. She goes. Wait a minute. How do you smell that it's cut in half? Yeah. <laughs> well, Tavin would do that. He, I don't know. He just, he always just act like he. I remember one time he asked me. He said, "How many, how many meals are we supposed to have a day?" And I said, "Well, we have three meals a day: breakfast, lunch, and dinner." And then we have snacks in between. And he goes, I just don't think it's enough. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, okay. And I'd have, actually, I had uh, Ann Short came over to our house one day and was making lunch. And I had made, like, chicken nuggets and french fries and a vegetable and, I don't know, and milk and all this. And she goes, is this their lunch? And I said, yeah. And she's like, this looks like dinner to me. I said, oh, no, they'll eat another dinner, too. <laughs> and she goes, really? And I said, if you don't feed them, they'll just be back in here eating. So you have <laughs> to feed them. And you said, we, they get up and eat, you know, pancakes or waffles or whatever for breakfast. You know, they eat a big breakfast. And then about halfway through, then they have some snack. And then we have a big lunch. And then we have another snack. And then we have dinner. And then there's at least another snack after mm. that. Yeah. So technically, probably a good six times, because <laughs> their snacks were generally somebody else's, you know, lunch. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember when Boys I was eat a lot. Say when I when I was in high school, of course, uh, we we had we'd fin- we got to the point where we we were mostly eating or eating whatever we wanted for breakfast, which a lot of, a lot of times was cereal or whatever, and then of course we'd have lunch, waffles. But yeah. then then. Uh, I remember I was I just got on a, I still love waffles and I yeah. still love Eggo waffles but I would eat as soon as I got home from school I would I would put four Eggo waffles in the wa- in in the in the in the toast. waffle in the toaster toast four Eggo waffles lap them with peanut, peanut butter, butter and, and syrup, syrup and, and I would eat f- at least four of those a day yeah and buy those by the literally by the case yes yep you I remember you went you got the Costco case of them because. Yeah, and I would go through it. I would go through it. I told Dad, I said, after they're all gone, I said we're gonna have a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have money. We're because there were sometimes. I mean, our grocery bill back then. I'm of course now spending a thousand dollars a month on groceries is you know two eggs and a piece of bread. But oh goodness, yeehaw for this economy. Goodness gracious. But uh, but back then, I you know I'd spend thousand fifteen hundred dollars a month on food easy but you guys would go through at least six gallons of milk a week yep yep because well I, and I don't drink milk i do not drink milk i hate mm-hmm. milk but your dad drank milk too yeah so yeah no we i mean we I remember, we would go back through when, a we, ton go, when we were in at langley we had a dairy yoder dairy yoder dairies and i say what that is still the best milk i've ever i yeah. re- ever remember having well you know I would get at least six, six to eight gallons of milk a week. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, of course, they made the good butter and all that stuff yep, too. Yep. But then when we moved to Omaha, it did go down some because you know that's all Tavin had had was that was you know real dairy milk. And then when it went to Omaha, uh, that Offit, 
I had to go to the store and I got whole milk, but Tavin was like, "What is this? This is <laughs> gross." And he would he wouldn't drink it because it was you know so watered down compared to the you know, dairy, dairies, yeah, dairy milk. Yeah, well, the I mean the Yoder dairies whole milk was actually milk. Was was whole milk. Actual it wasn't watered milk. down. Yeah. Well, and I will say I don't really drink milk anymore. No. I mean I I if it's I just really don't. I mean, I'll have almond milk uh, or, you know, if I have a cereal, which I don't really buy cereal anymore. But if I like the couple times that I'm I, like, get just get an itch like, oh, I want like a Reese's Puff cereal or something. Yeah. Of course, half the time I'll like I'll get that itch for like three days and then the cereal sits there. And I end up throwing, yeah. it, throwing it out a month later. So I pretty much stopped doing it. But yeah. but any time, you know, that I've gotten, I'll, I'll still do whole milk, but I'll yeah. get I'll get. Oh, like a half gallon of it because I know I'm just. I'll get I. I mean, I got a half gallon of milk today just because I'll use it if if I'm making sauces or something like that. Yeah, I'll use it. Or I do use almond milk for my bechamel. If I get cold, then I'm very you know, if I get cold, and every once in a while I want that hot chocolate, and uh, I yeah. I do put milk in the hot chocolate. That's that about good. it. Yeah. I mean, that's as far as me actually. I never. I mean, a glass of milk, no. No, I just I don't know. I, I obviously, grow, growing up, I drank glasses of milk like they were going out of style. Oh yeah, yeah. Had milk, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and yep. dinner. But now I just I don't. But I do think that there's you know I think I heard I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard somebody say s- at some point that um, human beings are the only people that like continue to drink milk. You know, that like, animals. like animals and stuff like that, they drink mother's milk for a certain amount of time and then they're done. And then, you know, I don't know, I guess they drink, then they, all they drink is water. But No, aphids drink milk all the time, their whole lives. Aphids? Yeah. Okay, one species. <laughs> but the majority, you know, bears, lions, tigers, dogs, cats. Yeah. All that, they, they, don't. they drink milk as an infant and then. Then they don't. Then yeah. they don't. And they said, you know, humans were one of the only species that, you know, continue to drink milk. True, yeah. I was like, well, huh, okay. Yeah, there was, I, will, I, I guess I was ta- I was thinking about the aphids, too, because there was this this lie going around for a while that, well, humans are the only, only animals that drink other animals' milk. It's like, no. No, I don't think that's true. No, but that's definitely not. I mean, just, you know, kind of as you grow as an adult, I don't think your body needs it. No, I, I, I don't think it's Then it, it becomes either. just a flavor choice. Yeah, I you think know. it is. It's more of a flavor thing. You know, do you want to drink orange juice or a glass of milk or, you know? Yeah, I, I don't, I, I guess I, I never really liked orange juice because I didn't like no. pulp. No, I don't, I don't like orange juice at all. Kale likes Kale orange loves juice, orange juice. No pulp. Absolutely no pulp, but no. Uh-uh. Yeah. I don't like you know, I'm just I'm bad that way. I don't like fruit either. I force myself to eat fruit because I do it's like good fruit. for you, but I don't. I don't go. Gosh, I'd just love to have a fruit. No, I don't. I never do that. <laughs> I mean, if I go, gosh, I'd just really would rather have a large piece of chocolate cake. That's what I would love. <laughs> I mean, an that's orange, fair. <laughs> an orange or a chocolate cake. Let me think. An orange slice on a chocolate cake. No, I don't like. I don't like orange anything. No, not a huge orange fan myself, but. I don't know. We are running out of time, but well, uh, get our rolling pin and yeah. pop the orange. Yeah, <laughs> you can pop. Yeah, you can definitely pop it. You know, uh, one one last fun fact about rolling pins before we go. So you know, obviously, not as many people cook nowadays, and so on, and and you don't see as many rolling pins in kitchens as you used to. 
Uh, little known fact, the United States produces between 600,000 and 750,000 new rolling pins a year. Well, you know why? Why? Because the women hit the men over the head with them and break them. <laughs> so they got to buy a new one. Okay. Well, before she hits <laughs> me over the head with a rolling pin, stay hip. And humble. Uh,